Are you ready for God's word today? <laughs> well, I'm ready to preach you. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 17? Genesis 17. I was actually um, writing a different series to start today with, and uh, I felt like the Lord just gave me a word, and I named the, the, the message after the word that he gave me. So the series starts next week, and I think it's going to be a great encouragement um, to you, but I'm calling it Up in Smoke. I'm just excited about the title. And uh, anyways, and no, it's not about Cheech and Chong, but because um, <laughs> I know some of you, and I know what you were thinking, and that Cheech and Chong? No, hush. We have redeemed it and made it holy. And so... <laughs> But Genesis chapter 17, we're going to pick up in the story of Abraham. And uh, this is where his name is changed from Abram. And so verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make a covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but it will be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to the God to, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings. Come on, I just like that. I read this version just because that word, ESV, sojournings. I just, I don't even know what it means, but I'm just kidding. Um, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And I'm going to jump down to verse 15 because from verse 9 to verse 14, it's about circumcision. It's kind of a difficult thing to take on in a 9 a.m., but if you're curious about that, then when you get around your brunch table after the service, y'all can talk about circumcision or Google it or something like that. It'll be a great conversation for you to have. Obviously, I'm kidding. <laughs> verse 15 and God said to Abraham as for your wife Sarai you shall not call her Sarai but Sarah will be her name and I will bless her and more, moreover I will give you a son by her and I will bless her and she will become nations kings of people shall come from her then Abram fell on his face and laughed has God ever said anything to you that made you think, is there a camera? <laughs> like there was a term about 10 years ago. Am I being punked right now? Like his, not, not any of you, just me, right? Just Abraham, the father of faith, laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. Sarah, your wife, will bear a son. And you'll call his name Isaac. And I'll establish my covenant with him. It is an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. And behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And he shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. I call this message, The Plan Hasn't Changed. The plan hasn't changed. Can, can we pray together? Um, God, we just pray today that you would speak words of life words of truth, that, that those words would penetrate deep into our hearts and they would transform us and give us life and give us faith and give us hope and encourage us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The plan hasn't changed. I love this text. And the reason I was drawn to this text is because, you know, it's such, when you think about Abraham, it's, there's such a tension in the text. And I love it when there's tension in the text. Um, when I talk to people who, who want to preach or whatever, I'm like, man, if you find a good tension in the text, like the father of faith laughing at God, 
like there is a sermon in there somewhere. Like when you get that kind of tension, there is a sermon to be found. And so I, I, I was praying and I felt like, you know, I was like, Lord, what, what, what could I, what could I, what could I speak? What would you want me to say? And, and I just felt like this text, oh, that Ishmael would walk before you. And then, and then, and then I heard this, the, this is God telling Abraham, the plan hasn't changed. Now you need to understand this is Abraham. This is Abraham where you go back. If you'll go back 24 years then Abraham is 75 years old, or Abram, the artist now known as Abraham, Abram, um, is, is 20, he's 75 years old. And, and we see in Genesis chapter 11 that Sarah is barren, and Abram and Sarai at that time, um, they cannot have children. And, and, and the Bible makes that very clear. And then you go to Genesis chapter 12, and God steps into their brokenness and into their barrenness to declare to them a promise that they're going to father a nation. They're going to be fruitful, and they're going to multiply is what we see in Genesis chapter 12. And I, I, I just love that because it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It matters what his word is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Like it, God loves to step into the impossible and to if you have some impossible around your life, that's usually where God wants to step into. God will not work in the realm of your possibility. He will work in the realm of what is impossible for you. That is where God chooses. It's not your strength that God is wanting to use. It's your weakness where God is going to make himself known. I'm just trying to get to point number one, but this is great preaching, okay? And so now that was, that was 24 years ago, and a lot has happened in 24 years. And for 24 years, they were waiting on a promise. And, and, and then about 11 years into it, they, they got creative because they thought it's been about 10 or 11 years and, and God hasn't moved the way we thought he would move. And maybe God needs our help. So Sarah comes up with a stupid plan. And that is, hey, Abram, why don't you sleep with my servant and see if you can have a child with her, and then maybe God will bless that. I've said it for 10 years, but if you want to use your plan B, God will let you, but he won't bless it because he's going to bless plan A. And so, anyways, Abram's like, well, I'll take one for the team. And so he does. And then she has a child, and they name the child Ishmael, right? And, and there's some encounters that God has, like in Genesis 15, God has another encounter, and that's where we see uh, this covenant cut with, with Abram and, and God. But now it's been 24 years, 24 years of waiting, 24 years of hoping, 24 years of believing. And, and you could even say it's probably been, you know, about 13 years of kind of giving up because it's like, well, we just hope Ishmael works. You know what I'm saying? And God comes to Abram and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And Sarah's going to have a child. And now Abram's like, well, I'm, I'm 99 and she's 89. And you're saying, I'm going to be 100 and have a child. And he's saying, look, you know, my stuff doesn't work. Her stuff doesn't work. Just follow along. <laughs> I'm trying not to make it too plain. And, and he is laughing. And this is what God says. Abraham, the plan hasn't changed. Your mess doesn't change my mission. <laughs> the plan hasn't. And I just felt like maybe somebody, especially after 2020, maybe as we break into 2021, because maybe 2020 was full of a lot of disappointments for you. Uh, maybe a business failed. Maybe a relationship failed. Maybe there was a diagnosis. Maybe, uh, you know, a job was lost. Whatever the case may be, a lot of people have dealt with a lot of very hard things. Life happens even when it's not 2020, but 2020 just seemed to be an exceptional and extraordinary year at inflicting pain and hopelessness to people, right? And so did y'all see the commercial? I can't remember what it was, but where the devil is looking for a match and he finds 2020. Did y'all see that? I'm like, I think that's what really happened. It was like, I don't, I does anybody remember what commercial that is? Match.com. Yes. Stay off of that. But anyways, um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get on match.com. I don't know if you're Boaz on match.com. Um, <laughs> you might have a broke ass, a poor ass, a dumb ass, but you may not have a Boaz 
on Match.com. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> just pray for me. But anyways, it's like the devil's looking for a perfect match, and he meets this girl, and she's, her name is like 2020. She's like, call me 2020. I felt like that may have happened. But I just felt like maybe for some people who may be on the verge of or even past the threshold of giving up, I felt like the Lord needed me to tell you the plan has not changed. The plan has not changed. Circumstances may have changed. It may not look the same. It may look worse. But the plan has not changed changed. And so that's what I want to talk about together. In fact, you can look at your neighbor right now. Just tell them, look at your neighbor right now and just tell them emphatically, even if you don't believe it yet, you'll believe it by the end. The plan hasn't changed. Just look at them and tell them the plan hasn't changed. Now I want you to do something. I want you to do something else. Look to the other side, the person you just ignored, look to them and tell them this, really, you're my favorite, but I wanted them to feel better. Go ahead and tell them that. Okay. The plan, the plan hasn't, hasn't changed. Three things that I want to pull, pull kind of out of this text that I felt like I need to communicate to you, and you can write these down if you want. If not, they'll come across the screen. And at home, make sure you drop them. In fact, if you're at home right now and you couldn't find a neighbor because you're, you're isolated or, or quarantined, then you can put it in the chat. The plan hasn't changed. The first thing I want you to write down, here's why the plan hasn't changed, because number one, the vision hasn't changed. When God is coming to Abraham, he basically reiterates to Abraham something he has said to Abraham multiple times in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And what he is telling Abraham, you can see it in verse 4, just encapsulate it. My covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. This is where we started in Genesis 12. This is what God reiterated in Genesis 15. And it doesn't matter what all has transpired or come to pass since then. God shows up in Genesis chapter 17, 24 years after Genesis 12 and says the plan hasn't changed. And here's why the plan hasn't changed because God hasn't changed his vision. God is a visionary. God is the chief of all visionaries. And what is a vision? A vision is a picture of the end that you have before the beginning. Right? This church, God showed me this church when I was about 18 years old. He gave me a vision for the end of something. In fact, I could see it here and I could see it where it's going to be. And he gave me that picture before the beginning. And that wasn't my picture. It wasn't mine to have. It was his picture and it would be mine to steward. Vision is not something we come up with. Vision is something we receive and steward. And God's vision is unchanging. Now, I understand circumstances change. I understand one thing about God is that God is immutable, right? He is immutable. That means he doesn't change. He was a way maker. He will be a way maker. He was a healer. He will be a healer. He was a restorer. He will be a restorer. He was a redeemer. He will not ever change. And while I understand God doesn't change, I will also say that God is very unpredictable. Can you say amen to that? Like, I know God doesn't change, but he's got a wild way of doing things sometimes. <laughs> like, I saw the vision, but I didn't see this coming. I thought about all those pastors that preached the 2020 vision series in last January, and then COVID hit. I was so glad I didn't preach a 2020 vision series. <laughs> I can't tell you how glad I was. But God is, is a visionary. Um, the, the Danish philosopher, there's a Danish philosopher, I cannot pronounce his name, so I'm not going to, his first name is Soren, but his last name is Kierkegaard or something like that. But he said this, he said, um, life is lived forward, but can only be understood backwards. And isn't that true? Have you ever felt that way? Like today, I don't understand anything. Hopefully in 10 years, I'll look back and say, ah, makes sense to me now. But in the moment, I'm lost. Y'all got anything? You know what I'm saying? And this is because God, because he's a visionary, before the beginning, got a picture. And that picture was what he wanted to see and accomplish. 
And then he stepped back from the picture, which is the end, to the beginning and started it. Now, here's the good news. His, his, his vision doesn't change. God is still running on schedule, no matter what we think. God is still going to get the picture that he wants. Because we can even see it in, in, in Revelation 21, verse 2. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God, and he'll wipe their tears away, and there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no, no, no getting old, right? All these older things are going to pass away. And when you think about that scripture, go back to the Garden of Eden and say, this is what he was trying to get back then. So God hasn't changed his vision. Now, how does that relate to us? You were created from the vision that God had. Because God says, I want to dwell with people. I want to take a, a physical realm the kingdom of God, the realm of heaven. I want to take a physical realm and I want to dominate, I'm sorry, a spiritual realm. Let me say that together, right? Spiritual realm. And I want to dominate or rule over a physical planet with humans. That was his vision. He's still doing that. 2020 didn't change his vision. Are you with me? And then from that vision, God says, let us make man. And he's going to be fruitful. And he's going to multiply. He's going to fill the earth. He's going to subdue it. And he's going to take dominion. Man, you were created from the vision of God. You were created for the vision of God. When God had a vision, he had a vision of you. Thus, he had a vision of your life. How do we know that God has a plan and purpose? Because we are here. And we were created out of and from his vision, but we were created, let us be fruitful and multiply and subdue and take dominion. You were created out of the vision of God, but you were created for the vision of God. So when God had a vision of creation, God had a vision for you. Collectively, God had a vision for people. Individually, God has a vision for you. And that hasn't changed. No more, if God's vision for creation hasn't changed, God's vision for the created hasn't changed, God's vision for you hasn't changed. Like this gives me hope. I hope it gives you hope. That come what may, I came here because God envisioned me. I'm here because God wanted me here. And I'm here because God has something for me to do. And it's the same with you. No matter how you feel today, what 2020 was like, I want you to know the plans and the vision and the purposes of God remain unchanged for you. God's, God hasn't, hasn't changed. He knows the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11. He knows the plans that he has for you. And no matter how bad the year was, he still has good plans for you. And I thought about this because I love this, because if God's plan for creation hasn't changed, and God's plan for the created hasn't changed, and God's plan for me hasn't changed, and God's plan for you hasn't changed, then God's plan for our church hasn't changed. I just want to say that God's plan for our church hasn't changed. If if 2020 can change God's plan for our church, then we should worship 2020. Let me get personal. If 2020 can change God's plan for your life, you should just worship 2020 and stay there. Just reset your calendar. No, but God is greater and God is bigger. And God is the one that has the vision and the plan. And God is all powerful. And 2020 doesn't change his plan, and it didn't change for you, didn't change for me, didn't change for a church. Listen, I, I, I want to say this, but then I want to talk about what's important. We are going to build the building because that was God's plan, and it is God's plan. But you need to understand the vision of our church is about building people, not buildings. Yeah, we need buildings because that's where you gather people. 
Right now, we probably don't need one. Because <laughs> everybody's staying at home wearing masks, right? And so, so anyways, <laughs> it's like when Halloween came and someone's like, hey, it's Halloween. We're going to wear a mask and eat chocolate. And someone else said, man, we've been doing that since April. <laughs> But I'm just saying, we, we are going to build the building. If you, need, if you need an answer to that question, yes, that's all still God's plan, and that hasn't changed. But let me go back to what was before that that is the most important thing. Is this church was ordained by God not to build buildings, but to build people. To help people believe and continue to believe in Jesus. These are our four Bs, right? This is what we're doing this morning. If you're watching online, if you're here, this is what we're doing. It's, it's the stirring of our faith as we come together and we hear the word of God to say, listen, when I believe Jesus, I, I get eternal life. But when I continue to believe God, that's how I walk in abundant life. And God's heart for you and my heart for you and this church's heart for you is abundant life. We, we want you to thrive, not just survive. And that's why, like, when I believe God about salvation, I'm saved. But then God wants to speak to finances and, and relationships and peace of mind and renewing my mind, my heart, my soul, and all these things. Because God is wanting me to prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. He's wanting me to live an abundant life. And, and that's the vision. That's why, that's why we want you to be a part of the church. Because we want you to believe and continue to believe. That's why we do everything that we do. Students, kids, events, everything is sitting around. We want to help people love Jesus more and have more faith and become like him. So we say, believe. And then we think, we, when you study the word of God, you need to belong. Belong to a family. Believe in Jesus. Belong to a family. Like, I'm so glad in the most painful year of my life, I belonged to a family where I didn't have to stand alone. And I'd be sitting at home and I would just be crying and people would call me. Hey, I just thought I should check on you. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> hey, can I take you to lunch? Because we want you to belong to a family because God wants you to belong to a family because we grow through relationships and we receive the grace of God. First Peter 4.10 says through other people. And so how, how is it, listen, Jesus didn't come just, just to, 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 to make your life, to make your life better. He didn't just come to make your life better. He came to make you better at life and to make you better at life. Ephesians four says he gave some pastors, prophets, apostles. In other words, he created this church to make you better at life because it's the faith of community and it's, it's the, the love of family where we belong Right? And, and I'll, I'll just tell you this on, on belonging. Like, this is my, my greatest fear about COVID. Not, not that you're staying home today. I understand if you're doing that and why you're doing it. And I don't want to condemn anyone for staying at home. Thank God we have technology and you can watch us online. But the kingdom of God is about engagement, not just spectating, yes. not just watching. And this is my greatest concern for believers. What makes the gospel so powerful is engaging. Like when you think about the kingdom of God, it's seek. I mean, it's all these verbs right? Seek and serve and give and love. I mean, it's, it's all these things. That, that's what that makes the kingdom of God so powerful is we engage in it. My concern is because of COVID, it's like a really, like John Maxwell said, uh, uh, the worst excuse is a good excuse. And we have the best excuse ever to sit back and watch. And so I'm going to challenge you, if, if you're not able to meet in the church, find a way to engage, whether that's actually getting on the chat and putting in there, engage right now. You just drop that in the chat. But engage, call someone, stay connected to the body. Listen, I, I thank God for, for online church. I do because I watched it. And I would sit in my living room and I would watch y'all. Not creepy like stalker watch y'all, but worship with you, I guess is what I'm saying. I would worship with you. But I came to a place, I'm here talking to Mark. I'm like, I have to come to church. Like watching is good, but I need to be with the people. I need to be around the family. I, I, I need to be among them just, just as a part. And of course, you know, he's like, well, come. And, and, and I can just tell you, this is my personal testimony. There is a huge, as much as I'm so grateful for online, there is a huge difference between watching online and being in this room. And there's a huge difference between watching online and, and having people look at you in the eye and love on you and encourage you and shake your hand or fist bump you or air hug you or whatever it is we do now. 
And, and I'm just saying, as, a, as, as, as your pastor, I got to be a consumer, essentially. And I'm just telling you, there's a huge difference. And we want everyone to belong. You need your people. Yes. And, and so the vision is, believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple. Like, this is the whole message. This is why you engage. Because when you engage, you are transformed. And you become who Jesus created you to be. And that's what we want for everyone. We want you to, to, you can't live your best life until you become your best self. And so Jesus came not just to, like I said, not, not just to make your life better, but to make you better at life. When we live kingdom principles, it makes us better at doing earth. Right. And then, and then build the kingdom. God has a plan and a purpose for you. So, so just think about this guy, like God wants you to, to exist in this community of faith, to have this family of love, to, to be transformed in, into your, your best self. And then to take over the world, we say, but to build the kingdom of God, to, to serve, to love, to give, to minister, to reach out, to, to help others, because every one of us in here were created for the, the same singular purpose. And that was to make a difference. And so that's what I'm saying. Like the vision hasn't changed. We want you here because we want to help you wherever you're at on this path. And we're all in all of them all the time. But we want to help you. We want to love you. We want to serve you. We want, we want to help you succeed. And, and that's the vision of church, not to build buildings, but to build people. And that vision hasn't changed. Here's the second thing that hasn't changed. God's grace hasn't changed. Oh, this is a good one. This is, well, it's only a good one if you've ever screwed up. And if you've never screwed up, we'd like to dismiss you now. You don't need to be here. <laughs> and we need to talk about stuff that could be offensive to you as someone who is perfect. And so you can sneak out now and talk with God later about your self-righteous hip hypocrisy. But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really. But... <laughs> But if you've ever screwed up, then God's grace makes a lot of sense to you. Like, I am so thankful for the grace of God, right? And you think about, we're talking about Abraham. And so Abraham in Genesis 12 gets this incredible promise from God. And he's the father of our faith. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible is full of screw-ups. Because read the story of Abraham. Like the first thing, they're in Egypt and he's lying. He tells Sarah, I'm going to tell everybody you're my sister. And then the king's going to end up marrying my wife and sleeping with her. But I'm totally cool because at least he won't kill me. Like this is in Genesis 12. Right after the promise, Abraham starts lying and is willing to let a king have his wife. Doesn't seem like a great first step for the father of faith to me. Right? And then it gets worse because we all talked about give him 11 years and he's, he's sleeping with the maid. Like, this is why I love the Bible because it's only full of screw-ups. There's only one perfect man in the Bible and, and they killed him. Right? But if you go through the Bible, Noah, he got, you know, Abraham, he's, he's you know, before Abraham, I guess you have Noah. And Noah got, got off the ark and got drunk and naked. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in your Bible. No, these are not the things we talked about in Sunday school. <laughs> he got off the ark and built an altar. He did. Then he got drunk and naked. Right? Abraham, we talked about him. David, we all know that guy. He was on the balcony, went back, got binoculars, had an affair, committed murder. Like, just walk through the Bible. And the only reason any of them did anything and the only reason we're here is the grace of God and you can never think it's anything else. <laughs> what I love about God and we see it in the, in the story of Abraham because it's like Abraham lies, you know, commits adultery and then God still shows up and says, hey, you're still going to have a child like you haven't screwed up my plan with your mess. Oh, that helps me. I don't know if that helps you because God is saying this. I'm all about that grace, right? <laughs> Come on, Megan. I'm all about that grace, about that grace. No devil, right? You know what I'm saying? So, and God's saying, I got more grace than you got flaws. 
and I've got more grace than you've got failings. And sometimes we forget this because we know the grace of God saves us, but we forget the same grace of God we needed to save us is the same grace of God we need to sustain us. And that we need as much of God's grace today as we ever did. And the good thing about God is he always has more grace and God never takes his grace back. He gives grace, John 1 says, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. And that is present, ongoing verb tenses, grace upon grace upon grace to infinity. God will never stop giving grace. He will never run out of grace. And he always has more grace than you have sin. And he always has more grace than you have mistakes. And if you were saved by his grace, today you are being sustained by his grace. Like, I, I like this, I like this verse. I, I think we're so quick sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but we're so quick to disqualify ourselves, right? We're so quick to disqualify ourselves because we know us. And then we have an accuser who only takes notes of all the bad things that, about us. And we get up in the morning, and if we're not intentional about putting God's word in us, then he'll put his word in us which is remember what you did. Like, I know what you did last summer. You know, I know what you did yesterday. I know, I know this about you. I know when you did this. And, and we're so, like, we think God will use people. We just don't think God will use us. Oh, come on, isn't it true? We, we think God will use Abraham or Noah or David, right? Or Solomon. Like Solomon had one rule, like don't take these foreign wives. So he took like 700 of them. He had one job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess you could say if he was going to sin, he did it big time. Just, just kept going. Praise God. But, but we're so, we're so quick to disqualify ourselves. And I love this verse. It's, it's a verse from John, a verse, uh, sorry, Romans four. And Paul's talking, but he's quoting David, who I think is an expert in what he's about to say, because he said, blessed is the man whom God is not counting their sins against them. And, and, and Paul is writing the Romans and he's preaching about grace. And he's like, look, even David understood this. This is why David could be successful as messed up as he was because he knew that the plan and success and vision didn't rely on his perfection, but on God's perfection. And I think the reason, the reason we disqualify ourselves because we're always counting our sin against us. And the reason God will not disqualify us because he's always counting his grace towards us. Oh, come on. That's so good. Like that is good. And so you're looking at you and you're saying, I'm counting this sin against me and this problem. And I got this issue. And thank God you're in reality about that. But the bottom line is you're disqualifying yourself because you're looking at all your stuff and God keeps trying to qualify you because he's looking at all of his grace. Because he's like, hey, that grace that saved you, that grace is still sustaining you. John 10, 28, I love this verse. It says, I will give, this is Jesus. Again, he's kind of an authority on things. I give, you, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Here's what he's saying. That same grace that captured you is the same grace that carries you. Are you with me? Like he didn't, he didn't run out of, out of grace. The grace that calls you is the grace that qualifies you. Oh, come on. Because we think grace calls us and then we got to qualify ourselves. Like grace called Abraham in Romans chapter 12, but then we thought he must have really got his act together then. Well, we just talked about it. No, he fell apart. Like he had issues. He had probably had sin. But the grace that calls you is the grace that qualifies you. Look at this. This is what Paul told the Romans. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's all grace. You don't do that. He does that. 
Look, he foreknew, he predestined, he conformed them to the image of the Son that he might be, Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8 is all about what he does, not about what you are. Moreover, he predestined those he also called, whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. God's grace called you, God's grace justified you, God's grace sustains you, God's grace glorifies you. This is all about him. It's about the perfection of of his grace, not the perfection of your performance. And when he's talking to Abraham, this makes sense because he had screwed up. You know what's even, you know, something else? Let me tell you, because you're like, well, probably because here's religious people and, and, you know, well, but, you know, probably after this time, like that's probably those things held up the promise, Abraham's sin. Now, what held up the promise is God's timeline. We'll come back to that. And how do I know that? Because Abraham sinned again after Genesis 17. Like God says, you're going to have a child in one year. He just has to make it one year, y'all. Be good for one year. Because don't we think God's promise is so much tied to our goodness? No, God's promise is tied to his goodness. Uh-huh. And, and so in Genesis 17, God said, no, in a year, you're going to have a child. He couldn't make it a year. Because they end up in another situation with a king named Abimelech. And Abraham does what didn't work the last time. And he says, Sarah, now we're going to tell everybody. We're going to tell everybody that you're my sister. And Abimelech takes Sarah and is going to marry her. And then God has to speak to Abimelech and scare him to death. And the heathen has to straighten out the father of our faith. Come on, somebody. And this is after Genesis 17, where God's like, in one year, Sarah's going to have a child. And Abraham's like, I can be good for one year. No, I can't, Sarah. We're going to tell him that you're my sister, and if he wants to marry you, that's fine, because I don't want to die. Come on. The vision hasn't changed, and the grace of God hasn't changed. And here's the third thing. God's calling hasn't changed. God's calling hasn't changed. Genesis 17, verse 18, it says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I'll establish my covenant, and it's an everlasting covenant for him and his offspring after him. Oh, that Ishmael. That was the phrase that just kept sticking with me in this text. Oh, that Ishmael. I mean, this is the father of our faith, 24 years into believing for the promise. And God is standing in front of him again, reiterating the promise even in greater detail than the two previous times. And Abraham's response is to laugh and then to say, oh, that Ishmael. I just want to talk for a minute about tired faith. Tired faith. Because I know what that feels like. And I think that's where Abraham is. And his faith is so tired that he is asking God if God will just use his plan instead of asking him to believe for God's plan. He's essentially asking God Almighty to settle for the plan of a man because he's too tired to believe for the plan of the Almighty. And I just wonder if anybody after maybe the year that we've had, maybe say after 2020, I wonder if anybody has some tired faith. And, and I wonder if anybody got up today asking God if, if, if he could just let you off the hook for something he promised you because it's just too hard to believe it is ever going to happen. Because if I were going to get real with you, which I wouldn't do because we're in church and everybody knows pastors have it all together, except in my case, the whole world knows I'm screwed up and that's okay because that's what qualifies me to be a pastor. I am more screwed up than you. You're welcome. 
Like now that all the pretenses are gone and I don't have to act like I've got it all together, I can let you know without Jesus it would all fall apart. Because I know what it is to sit with God and say, God, I don't think the promise is possible anymore. And I don't really want to try to believe anymore because I'm just I'm tired and it's been hell and I haven't seen it. And now it looks a lot worse than it did before. And I know what it's like to say, maybe, God, we could find something else. Like maybe I could submit to you some ideas that are more logical and more possible and would require less faith and maybe not any faith at all. Maybe I, maybe you could take me up on some of my writings here. I could, you know, I put together a thesis. I can back it with scripture if you would like. I know what it is to sit with God and argue about the calling on your life and explain to him why it can never happen now. And that he should just go on and use someone else and let you go sell cars. Not that I'd be any good at selling cars, but... And I know what that is to say, oh, God, I wish you'd just do it this way. Like, God, can you, just, can you just let me off the hook of having to believe this stuff you've told me because my faith is tired and I'm a little bit weary and I'm just wondering if you could somehow bless one of my messes and stop trying to make me believe for your mission and I think that's where Abraham is. He's like, God, it's been 24 years since that day. Because you remember that day when God spoke to you. And God, look what has happened in that 24 years. It hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. And I know what it is to have tired faith and, and, and to want to give up and to think that you're justified in wanting to give up. Because you can explain to God why you shouldn't really have to believe and you can explain to God why that's impossible and you can explain to God why it's too late. God, I can't start over at 43. Now, I could have started over at 23, but I can't start over at 43. Like, I'm old now. I know when Abraham said he's old, I'm like, God, I get it. I'm old. And some of you are like, no, you're just a baby and I want to say God bless you and thank you and I love you. And just keep that positive reinforcement coming. But I know what it is to be tired in your faith and to not be able to really to believe anymore and to get to the place where you're like, God, would you just bless my mess? Because I can no longer believe for your best. And I know what it is for God to say no. Come on. If God's ever told you no for one of your stupid plans, will you praise him right now and say, God, thank you for telling me no. Like I thought this was it. I asked you to let me give up. I prayed you'd call somebody else, qualify somebody else, talk to somebody else. And he said no. Thank God he said no. Oh, you know why he said no? Oh, this is so good. You know, I get hyper when I start pacing. That's one reason we got to get a build, bigger building. I need more room, right? She's got like a bull in a china hutch. But um, you know why I said no? Because the promise was never about Abraham. <laughs> it wasn't about Abraham. It was about God's vision and God's grace and God's calling. And that's why God said, I can't let you give up because it's not about what you want. It's about what I want to do. Amen. <laughs> it's <laughs> come on. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good I am. Yep. It's not about what you're capable of. It's about what I'm capable of. And it doesn't take faith till it's too late. Oh, I wish you'd get that one. <laughs> come on. Where's Lazarus at? It doesn't take faith, Mary and Martha, until it's too late. Right? 
if there's still a if there is still a path, a still a critical path to get to the promise, doesn't take faith yet. If you can calculate it and figure it out, doesn't take faith yet. When it's too late and all seems lost and your faith is tired, that's when God shows up and says, This wasn't about what you wanted. You wanted a son, I wanted a bride. You wanted a child, I wanted a nation. You wanted to be a father, I am a father of <laughs> come on somebody. And it wasn't about you. It was about what I wanted. It's about my promise and my grace. And maybe you don't have the right to give up on the promise because it's about what God wants to do through you, not about what God just wants to bring to you. Maybe we're stewarding something and we don't have the right to give up on it. Oh, I wish you could hear that. You don't have the right to give up on what God said he was going to do through you because it's his. He just needed your incubation chamber. Are you with me? He just needed the womb of your faith. Are you with me? And so you can't give up because God won't let you give up because it's about what he wants to do through you. Are you with me? And that's what I came to. I'm like, I don't have the right to give up on what God said he wanted to do. Yeah, it looks too late. Don't care. His problem. But I'm not going to abort something that he wants to do because I'm a little tired. And I just want to tell you, no matter what it looks like, you can't give up because what he promised you wasn't about you. It was about what he wanted to do through you. And you know why he can't give up? Because his vision didn't change. And his grace didn't change. And his calling didn't change. And that's what he's now telling Abraham. I'm still going to do it. Now, if you want amazing grace, look at the way he says, okay, I will bless your mess. I'll bless Ishmael. Twelve princes will come for him. I'll make him a nation. I will actually bless your mess, but I'm not changing my mission. Come on, that's grace. Come on, somebody. That's a word from somebody. God said, I'm going to bless your mess, but I'm not going to change my mission. <laughs> and this is what God's saying to you. I'm still going to do what I said I'm going to do. I haven't changed. The plan hasn't changed. The vision hasn't changed. The grace hasn't changed. And the gifts and callings of God, Romans 11 says, are without repentance. I won't change what I've called you to do. Because what I called you to do and my vision for you is found in my vision for creation. And you came from and you are created for my vision. And that hasn't changed. Come on, one more time. Will you give Jesus... I must be back because we're getting out late. Why don't y'all stand? <laughs> stand with me. Come on. Put, come on. Before you get off, put in the chat one more time. The, the plan hasn't changed. Put in the chat. My calling hasn't changed. And I'm just going to pray today for, for faith to be reinvigorated. For you to go back to the promise and say, okay, this is about what God wants to do. And he's just needing me to trust him, not figure it out. And if it's too late, it's okay, because that's where faith starts is when it's too late for anything else. And God, I thank you so much, God, for this incredible group of world changers, both in this room and in, in rooms all around. <laughs> and God, there are people in here, I'm sure 2020 has just been a challenge. But God, I so want them to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking today. And that is that the plan hasn't changed. God, your plan for them hasn't changed. Your grace for them hasn't changed. Your calling on them hasn't changed. Your vision for their life hasn't changed. And God, I pray right now that, that you would stir our hearts and stir our faith. And God, let us go back to, to, to that altar of what you promised. God, like you did for Abraham in Genesis 17, you just reminded him again of the same promise that you had been promising for 24 years. And God, I wish today you would remind us again of the promises you have been promising us maybe for the last 24 years or the last 50 years. It doesn't matter. If we're still breathing, you're not done. So God, I pray today, God, that faith would, would arise in people's hearts. And God, maybe where people have been tired and said, you know what, I, just, I can't, I just can't even, I just can't believe. God, I pray. 
whisper to them, oh, yes, you can. God, if you have to, tell them, no, I won't give up. (laughs) No, I won't change the plan. No, I'm not going to do it your way because my way is best. And God, I just pray, God, that faith would arise in our hearts. Would you take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit while we're in this moment, your heads are bowed, just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? Would you do that? And let him specifically, I just believe he'll specifically speak to you, but God, what are you saying to me? And God, I do, I pray you'd speak to every person. Every person. And while our heads are bowed and we're just listening, I just wonder if there's anyone in this room, no one's looking around, but maybe, maybe your 2020 needs to start with you taking that step of initial faith to say, I'm going to trust Jesus for salvation. Meaning I'm not going to be made right with God. And even if you're watching online, don't turn it off. But even if you're, even if you're just there in your living room, but you say, you know, truthfully, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I don't have a relationship. I'm not asking you if you have a relationship with religion. I'm not asking what you know about Christianity. I'm asking, do you have a, a one-on-one personal intimate relationship with Jesus? And if not, I would love to pray with you. I wouldn't call you out or embarrass you, but whether you're watching online or you're in this room, I'd love to pray with you. And so if that's you and your heads bowed, but you're like, hey, there's something stirring in me and I know I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I need to trust him for salvation, trust his grace Trust him to save me. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you if you're in this room. Just slip it up and say, hey, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you. Can we just pray together? All our heads bow. But if you lifted your hand, it's your, you put it in your words. But it's simply, you just tell Jesus. You tell God. You say, God, I thank you for Jesus. You tell him it your way, but I thank you for Jesus. He came and he paid for my sin. He came and he paid for my faults and failings. And he came, God, to endow me with grace. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me and make me a new person for this new year. And my decision today is to follow you. God, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. And God, I thank you for those that lifted their hand. I pray in this moment they would feel your presence. God, as you're transforming them, changing them. God, we celebrate with them today. And God, for all of us, we are so grateful. (laughs) Your plan hasn't changed. God, so we're going to leave here. We're going to go out in faith, trusting you to do exactly what you said, no matter how long ago it was. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, yeah, you can give Jesus... One more big praise. Listen, Pathway, I, I love you so much. You're watching online. I love you so much. Um, I, I just, I can't say how excited I am to see what God does in this year. Listen, I love you. Um, if you need, we have prayer team, you can come. And then if you need prayer, we'll have prayer people up here. We'd love to pray with you. If you lifted your hand, we'd love to pray with you. Everybody else will say, but God bless you. If you need prayer, you can text my pathway prayer to 77977. We would love to pray with you. Everybody else say, but God bless you. We love you. We will see you next weekend.